for tuning in to Mystic Witch. I'm your host, Blue. You can find out more about me at bluejunetarot.com. Mystic Witch is a podcast about magic, divination, and all things supernatural. Today our guest is Devin Hunter, who is the best-selling author of Witch Power series, the creator of Modern Witch, as well as a professional psychic medium and occultist. He is part owner of the Mystic Dream in Walnut Creek, California, and an initiate of multiple occult orders, including his own, Sacred Fires. He's also the co-founder of the Black Rose tradition of witchcraft. His latest book, Modern Witch, Spells, Recipes, and Workings, is now available from Llewellyn Worldwide. Hey, Devin. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So I saw on your Twitter that you are a Star Trek fan. Is that correct? I am an uber Star Trek fan, yes. (laughs) So what do you think Picard would say about the current state of the world? Oh, goodness. You know, honestly, I I think he would tell us to be smart and to think compassionately um, and to understand that we're all in this together. Um, To me, those those are totally like, because I thought, um, especially with the season finale of Picard uh, just a couple nights ago. Um, and you know, what would Picard do? Um, and that was always a joke we had when I was in uh, college, uh, was, you know, what would Picard do? We didn't really care so much about what Jesus was going to do, but Picard on the other hand, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what would Picard do? And so that was one of the things that came up the other day. I think he would tell us to, you know, follow the instructions that are being given to us and to be compassionate and to remember that we're all in this together. Yes. And he would also order tea, Earl Grey, hot. Hot. Yes, of course. <laughs> Well, I know that you uh, you do hold uh, third degree initiations in several traditions. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about what make those practices different. Uh, sure. So um, it, it's kind of funny because I don't I, I, you know, I went through the training in these traditions when I was younger. And as I got older, I find, you know, something else that was inspiring me at the moment. So I'd kind of go into that direction. And, you know, now I have the. I guess the privilege of being able to say that I was trained by some really incredible people, um, but I don't necessarily follow those those traditions as as strictly as I probably should if I was going to be um, a permanent uh, priest within those traditions. Right. Um, but all of those really do, you know, inform me. So when I was, uh, when I, was I think I started when I was seventeen, um, I started training in a tradition called Northern Star Wicca. And back in the day, when uh, before the internet was really a thing, <laughs> um, and before there were people teaching online, there were message boards for pagans and witches in the in the U.S. and probably everywhere. Um, and I found a, a wonderful woman who just went by the name Lady Melissa. And uh, she was out of Michigan. I think it was Michigan. And she would drive down kind of like in this weird little tour and she would meet all these people. And our lessons were mostly done long distance. And so I uh, I would like write paperwork, like homework, you know, like you're in school and writing an essay. Um, and I'd send it back to her snail mail. And it was this kind of thing back and forth. Um, and then I ended up, um, going through that whole system and getting a third degree. And, um, the, the plan was to be a Wiccan. Um, and you know, at the time I I really thought I needed to get initiations to, um, kind of validate myself as, as a witch within the, the community and the people I was hanging out with. 
Um, and so that was, it meant a lot to me to have that initiation and to have those titles at the time. And then, you know, I met this amazing woman who was really into crystals and psychic stuff. And she had a small circle of people that she would meet with and and on her property, she's this gorgeous property in Ohio. I I grew up in one of the most beautiful places on earth, I swear. Um, And so (laughs) she, she wasn't too far from where I was. And I met her and she referred to herself as a Dianic witch and, um, The practices that she taught us were, uh, which she referred to as from the cult of Diana, um, which she's claimed had, you know, mega lineage that connected to the cult of Isis and all of this other stuff. I I was honored to be able to work with this this really incredible woman. And she was, you know, more into the new age um, than what I would consider today hardcore witchcraft to be. And that's exactly what I needed. You know, I needed um, as a young psychic person who that was really what I came to witchcraft looking for was answers to psychic phenomenon I was experiencing. And she had them. You know, so I'd gone through this Wiccan training, which was very earth based and very, you know, kind of uh, we say very pagan feeling um, to more new age practice. And the the degree system was I love talking about it because I think it's kind of brilliant. Um, But the degree system was was really merit based. So you'd come to the coven with a problem or um, with a life issue and then they'd say, okay, let's work on it. Let's find answers to resolve this. Let's use magic and worship to fix these problems and and get you to a better place in life. And once you had done those things, you would get your initiations and your degrees. So, you know, I mean, there were people who were dealing with leaving, you know, abusive husbands to uh, finding ways to go back to school. And, you know, these things that really, they, we identified as the things that were keeping us from being able to thrive because we very much believe the goddess wants all of her children to thrive. Um, and so that was a really, that was a big, I think, core tenant for the, the cult of Diana was that, you know, we're all children of the witch queen and, um, and the, the cult of Diana dates, I, I do know it dates pretty far back. At least we can, at least in past the sixties, we at least, I can definitely say that. Um, and there were, a, really a wonderful group of witches back in the day who were led by a woman named Diana McFarland, um, to create this, what was called as the cult of Diana. And uh, or Dianic witchcraft. And um, later on, um, Z Budapest broke off and created her own group of Dianic Wicca, um, which is feminist or which is, you know, kind of um, cis female based. Um, and uh, but the rest of us, nobody else did that. That was that was a Z Budapest thing. She kind of broke off and did her own thing. Um, <laughs> And really, you know, in, in Dianic witchcraft, we're, we're very secret. We're very, very secretive. Um, there are there actually isn't much I can say about the practices other than kind of what I've been sharing with you, um, because the, the work is so personal and it's so much oriented in this idea and direction of you being a child of the goddess um, who needs no introduction, who needs no counterpart. You are a force of nature and learning how to coax that out of ourselves. Um, to me, was is kind of that gem within the, with the Dianic tradition or uh, Dianic witchcraft. Um, and so, you know, I, I went through and got my degrees in that. And um, I found myself, I was in my early 20s at this point, had these different, you know, all these different degrees. And I, and I was, you know, searching for something I didn't even know what I was looking for. Um, and so I decided to take a step back from training for a long time. Um, and then I ended up meeting my partners, um, the, the guys I'm with now, Storm, uh, Fairy Wolf and Chaz Wogan. And, um, after we had, and I actually didn't know Storm, Storm is a, is a, a was a pretty big deal out here. And I didn't know that. Um, and so, cause I'm from the Midwest and I, you know, out here in California, everybody knows who he is and he's been teaching a very long time. And the fairy tradition is, um, 
is really his bread and butter when it comes to his spirituality. And so over the years, it kind of started to, we, you know, we'd start to have those conversations because um, we're living together and we're seeing each other all the time and we're, you know, professional witches. And so, of course, stuff comes up um, and we start talking about our beliefs and and really getting into the the nitty gritty with the traditions. And I realized that after meeting some of the other people involved in the tradition, the fairy tradition of witchcraft, that uh, there was something there for me. And it wasn't just that it was there for me. It was waiting for me. And it had been for a really long time. Um, and so I got to meet with the grand master of the fairy tradition. <laughs> and uh, she's uh, she's an incredible woman. She's really amazing. Very humble, very, very um, easy to talk to. And so I just asked her, I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about studying this fairy tradition stuff, but uh, I need to I need to know, like, in your opinion, who are the who are the gods of fairy? Like if if there were two main deities in the fairy tradition, who would they be? And um, she said, well, you no, know, basically all gods are fairy gods. However, Diana is is a very big part of the craft. And that was the founder was very into Diana and Lucifer and working with the Iradian mysteries. And that had been obviously a part of my Wiccan training um, because Wicca is very Aradian based. Um, and then that had been, of course, part of my Dianic training. And so here I was um, with this opportunity to go study another tradition that I had really no knowledge of until I moved out to California um, that was deeply connected to this goddess that I devoted my life to. And so I looked at it as an opportunity to go get to know her better. Um, what I didn't know was that it was going to help me understand myself better. Um, and so I, uh, it took seven years to um, study in the fairy tradition and to be able, you know, to make it through because there's only one initiation. They don't do multiple initiations. So it was a lot of studying um, and I ended up uh, getting through and it was a really wonderful life changing experience. Now, while all that was happening, I was um, creating my own tradition because I, you know, I teach witchcraft and I have um, been out here working with people for about a decade now. Um, and so I was working on my own tradition while I was studying fairy still. And while I was off studying a couple other things, I come back to college. There was a whole lot going on at the time. But um you know, sacred fires, which is my tradition, um, is, is so rooted in all three of those traditions that I come from. Um, it's so oriented in the direction of, of self-empowerment and, and, uh, worshiping the goddess and having a one-on-one -on -one connection with, with the goddess. Um, and, you know, identifying that we're all part of that thing and exploring that as a spiritual person. Um, so, you know, I, I have my hands in a couple of different pots. I, I've, you know, I'm Reiki or Reiki attuned, and I've studied a couple of different other traditions and things. And I think, um, you know, if if the opportunity to study anything pops up and you feel inspired and you have the opportunity to, you totally should. Um, and that's kind of how I've gotten myself in all this trouble. <laughs> I think that that is a hundred percent true. You should really trust your intuition when it comes to development. And it sounds like. Sacred Fires is sort of an amalgamation of everything that you sort of learned in training. I'm going to respectfully refer to it as the modern witch empire <laughs> because it's a podcast, it's a blog, it's a magazine um, at modernwitch.com. Um, so would you say that that it that is also a compilation of what you've learned over the years? Uh, yeah. Now, the, the thing with modern witch is that... Um, it wasn't, it was never intended to grow into what it grew, has grown into. Um, <laughs> I really just, I had moved out to California and I had talked about doing a podcast before I'd moved out here, but then 
I come out here and I find that I don't know anybody and I have, you know, no friends and I, there was, you know, it was stuck. I, you know, I had a job, but that was it. I just go to work and come home. And I was lucky that before I had moved out here, I was kind of a, um, a little bit of a gypsy kind of for years going from pagan festival to pagan festival to uh, different witchcraft conferences on the country. And, you know, I, I teach, but I was really like selling goods and um, trying to, you know, make a living, you know, basically. Um, and I had met some of the coolest people that exist in the witchcraft world um, that way by being, you know, part of these festivals and um, plan, being on the planning end of things to get you, you know, more intimately connected to people. And I just made all these really great contacts and we'd have these fantastic conversations. And I found myself really missing those fantastic conversations. And so I got um, a really cheap microphone from the, I think it was like the RCA store. Um, <laughs> and it was one of those like, plug it like old school plug in, um, kind of extended out like a Bob Barker mic, you know, from <laughs> the price is right. And it was just a horrible mic, but I did it. And I, th the only room I could go into was the bathroom here at the house. Cause it was the quietest space. <laughs> and so I recorded the first, I think like 10 or 12 episodes of the podcast in the bathroom. Um, and I, good day Parma came, he was visiting us and I remember dragging him into the bathroom to record this podcast and, you know, it was, it, that's what I did. And, um, and I just put it out there thinking, Hey, you know, who cares if anybody listens, this is just, this is therapy for me, you know, more than anything. And it turned into a thing. People's really started to listen to it. And then we got picked up by the AB club, which was a totally big deal when it had happened. And, um, you know, we were up there next to the Nerdist podcast and, and it was just crazy. It, it went kaboom. Um, and that kind of sealed my fate, I think. And at the time it was really weird because I had been given an opportunity to work with a company here in California that is um, it's like a psychic network. And they were looking for kind, basically two people who were going to become the new faces for the company um, and go out and meet people and hold conferences and things like that. And I, I ended up with my name in the ring for this job. And um, it was going to be like 90 grand a year. Just think about that. 90 grand a year. And I was like, holy hell, I'm going to be set for life. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and so went through three rounds of interviews and I knew that it was between me and three other people. And, um, I eventually got a phone call or an email and then you get a phone call, but I got an email saying, you know, actually we're not interested. Um, when we Googled you, we saw that you have this podcast called modern witch, and we don't really want that being associated with our, with our company. And so thank you for your time, but we're going to pass. So that was devastating because that was, that was like security. That was, that was, even if it would have just been for a year, that was, that was going to really help me out. Um, and so I went through a little bit of an identity crisis and it was really cause you know, I, I came to spirituality looking for answers to my psychic experiences and what I was, um, going through as a young person. And I had never really intended on sticking around in witchcraft to become a teacher or, you know, do any of this stuff. It was just kind of not really on the radar. You know, I thought I was going to become a professional psychic and go off and do that. And um, here I was not being given that opportunity. And so it really screwed with me. And I, it took me probably about six months. And I, I kind of I really became a hermit. I have cancer rising. So I went into that cancer rising place and just kind of became a hermit and tried to process it. And, you know, eventually just came to the conclusion that screw it. 
I am who I am. You know, the goddess helped me become who I am, and I need to celebrate both of these parts of me—the psychic and the witch. And if it's gonna if it's gonna cost me opportunity, then I just have to make magic and create opportunity for myself. And so that's what I did. And so um, Modern Witch started getting a lot more energy, and I uh, came up with the magazine with um, the person who was the co-host with me at the time, uh, Jess Carlson. And we so we did this really cool magazine and uh, put, I think, five issues of that out uh, and just kind of watched people's reactions. Um, and it was good, you know, people liked what we were doing and what we were saying. And, um, and so, you know, modern, Witch has evolved, it keeps evolving too. And I was able to actually get modernwitch.com, which was like a huge thing. Um, and so that sealed the deal pretty much, you know, uh, on the whole fate of everything. So right now the modern witch empire is that's, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to start calling it that now. Um, uh, but, uh, now that <laughs> this, welcome, this, yeah. yeah, I, you know, I look at it like it's, it's really just, it's an art project for me. Um, and I, I've tried very hard to showcase people and practices from all over the world, um, and expose, my listeners to people and subjects that they might not normally get a chance to be exposed to. So when I do an interview, um, I try not to just ask like, Oh, where, how'd you get started in the craft? Right. right. Like that kind of stuff, like everybody, Oh, come on. Um, and so, you know, it's, it, um, it was great to get these people interested in, in the, the movement of, of what modern, which was becoming. And, um, so I went to, so Llewellyn and I had a conversation about five years ago, um, cause people had, they had been listening to the podcast and, um, I was invited to to come in and uh, pitch them some books. And so I had come to them and I said, all right, I have this great book idea. It's called Modern Witch and it's going to be a pictorial spell book. And, um, you know, I, here's the layout for it and so on and so forth. And the response I got was, I mean, it was they were polite as they could possibly be, but it was very much so this is not going to happen. And uh, this is going to be a really expensive book to make. And, you know, we're, we need to know that you can sell books before we, we are going to, you know, move forward with this project. So, okay. So back to the drawing board. So I, um, I had sat down and I had been teaching witchcraft for a good number of years and, um, I had all these notes and I had all these handouts and I had just all of this material. And I thought, you know, now is my opportunity. So I, um, I wrote the witch power series, which is three books, the witch's book of power, the witch's book of spirits and the witch's book of mysteries. Um, and that was just, that just finished actually in July. So the witch's book of mysteries is, came out and that completed the whole series. Um, and it's really what we consider to be the outer court material for sacred fires. Um, and so, you know, pretty much anything we could talk about outside of a, of a sacred space, that's all in the book. Um, everything from channeling Nephilim and angels and demons and fairies, and dead people to um, mm -hmm. improving your life through understanding your astrology and how that impacts your ability to channel energy and things like that. So it's a really um, involved series, but it was it was written really because I had to prove I could write, I could write, I could write and sell some books. Um, and so when it came out, uh, when the second book came out and it was doing well and I got on the bestseller list for just like a week, but uh, so when that had happened, it was Luella was like, okay, let's try it. Um, so we went into production with modern, Witch spells, recipes, and workings, and it took about two years and uh, I took all the photos except for two. Um, and yeah. it did all, I wrote everything and, um, it was all, yeah, it was a lot of work. It was a whole <laughs> lot of work, but uh, it's, it, I wanted it to be two things. I, I there's this fantastic book. Um, if you ever are at like a used bookstore, 
Um, you may just run across this in the magic section. It's called Enchanted, and it's by Titania. And Titania is this British witch who was really popular in the 90s. Um, but it's got this like soft blue crushed velvet cover. And uh, it was, I think it came out sometime like 2006 or seven. Anyway, so it's this gorgeous book and you open it up, it's hardback and you open it up and she had this photographer go through and, and take some just beautiful photos. But, and I, so I bought the, you know, my, my partner at the time bought me this book and it was like a, a, a gift and I held on to it. I thought it was this coolest thing forever. And then I finally opened it up a couple years ago and I realized none of the photos actually matched anything in the book. So, you know, that ring of candles that have there's she never mentions a ring of candles. She never does. So it, it occurred to me that, the, you know, it was gorgeous and I loved this book and I had held on to it for years and years, but it didn't actually fulfill the thing I wanted it to fulfill um, for me. You know, it's this really great coffee table book. It's this beautiful book that I, I have. It's on my coffee table right now. Um, and uh, but it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. And so I thought, oh, well, when I do that. Um, and so boom, so Modern Witch, that's just kind of the idea behind Modern Witch was to provide a, a coffee table book that was, you know, full of photos that were actually pretty, that would provoke conversation with people who were witches and non-witches alike. Um, I wanted people to feel comfortable having it out and not feel like they have to keep it on a bookshelf. That was a big, yeah. really big thing. Um, and then the other thing was we started, uh, for a minute there, we were uh, subscribing to those meal, um, plans where they would like, like uh, HelloFresh, you know, where they'll send you food every week and, you know, um, and they would come with these really cool recipe cards that had pictures and step-by-step -step photos of everything. And I was like, now see this, this is what we need. Because when you're reading about like a petition paper, it doesn't actually make sense until you see somebody do it. Like the, if we're going to do the old kind of hoodoo way of writing in circles and doing all this stuff, you don't really understand it until you can kind of see it. And I'm a visual learner too. So I, I really appreciate when I can see photos and step-by-step -step things and what is this thing supposed to look like? So, um, that was a big thing that went into the book as well, uh, was this idea of, you know, step-by-step -step photos and how to take it to a, an artistic place where you could enjoy it, but it was also practical at the same time. And, you know, as far as the content that went into it, my, I, I'm a big believer that witchcraft exists as a way of leveling the playing field when you live in a world where the odds are stacked against you. And so um, I, I think that's why it has thrived for the thousands of years. I think if we if we were to look back in ancient Egypt or Samaria and we were to see what the spells they were doing, it was all to level the playing field. You know, it was all to to help the poor people, you know, gain power in a world where the rich were in charge and so on and so forth. And and so, you know, I I'm a I'm a gay man. I have um friends who are every part of the the lgbtq plus rainbow i have many friends who are people of color i have many friends who are women and we all experience marginalization in some form um and and so i wanted to write a book that could at the very least approach that and say okay look the odds are stacked against you because you're black or you're gay or maybe you came from China and, you know, people are, are scared of you right now. Whatever it is, uh, we live in a world where things aren't fair. And this is a book that helps you level the playing field. And it's not malicious. It's it's looking at magic from what I refer to as the big five. Um, and these are the, the five subjects that I, so I own a shop, The Mystic Dream. Um, I've been working in metaphysical stores for... <clears throat> 20 years. And um, <laughs> the, uh, 
I, there's always the same type of questions that come in and out. And it's always, you know, it's always regarded to love. Um, it's, there's health healing stuff. There's, you know, somebody's needing protection. Money is always a big thing. And then of course, divination, people want to want to see into the future. They want to see what, what's going to happen. And those are really, those, that's, those are the big five. And so I wrote this book with the intention of being able to explore the big five, um, in a really personalized manner that was going to teach people techniques for spell crafting, you know, everything from a, a witch bottle to a poppet to a golem. Um, all of those things are in there. Honey jar. I mean, weaving spell. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Baths. It's there's over 200 workings in there, um, and the idea, you know, is that no matter who you are, you can take any recipe and transform it or add to it, change it to make it unique and specific to your problem or your, your specific circumstance. And so like, you know, there's, there's, uh, each chapter has an oil recipe. That's like its main oil recipe. Here's the love oil. This is an all purpose love oil. However, here's five different recipes that you can, or five different ways you can adjust this recipe to make it a specific type of love. So here's for, you know, uh, heterosexual love. Here's for queer love. Here's for trans love. Here's for, uh, you know, love with your, uh, just having love and, and happiness between you and your parents, you know, you're that type of familial relationships. So I tried really hard to really look at this and say, nobody, there's no one size fits all in magic. It doesn't happen. And we all know the best spells are the ones that come from the heart. Mm -hmm. So I tried to provide this kind of space and experience for people to engage the magic in a really personalized way um, that hopefully by the time they get through the book, they feel really empowered to create magic and to do things on their own if they weren't feeling confident in that way before they touched the book, which is something that I'm, I'm, I'm usually just shocked at. Um, you know, I love, I will do my own spell before I'll break out the book of 5,000 spells, even though I have it and it's right <laughs> behind me right now. Um, but I will write my own spell, you know, and I have, there's, but I have a confidence in that. And, um, that comes just from a lot of years of doing it and I like to write and, and so on and so forth, but that's not everybody. And there's a lot of people who are, you know, they assume you have to follow the instructions word for word and it has to be this thing and da, da, da. well, yes and no. Um, and so we explore all that in the book. And, uh, I, I just, I had a blast doing it. I got to be artistic and I got to be a witch and I got to, um, talk about things that I never would have gotten to talk about otherwise outside of the context of this, you know, this, this magical work. And it was just a blessing to be able to do it, but it took a very long time. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the book of 5,000 spells because I'm looking at it. It's right in front of my face right now. <laughs> I just used it. Uh, I, I usually use this book for um, when I'm recommending spells to other people um, just because it's Judica Illis. So, <laughs> you know, um, she can do no wrong. No, she's she's one of my good friends. I, I've been blessed to, to have Judica in my life. And yes. I, I want her to write the book of, of a million spells. Like I want her to keep doing it. Um, that that whole series that, that she wrote was just no shade to Judica. I love my Judica. No, of course not. I just want to address like the the prejudice that you were facing because of your podcast. I, I want to talk about that for one second. Um, this uh, just, I'm curious, the, the company that you were interviewing with, they, it was like a psychic network. You said, yes, that seems really weird to me. Am I like, do you not want to talk about it? Cause that's fine. We don't have to talk. I about mean, it. I can't, I don't want to say the company's name cause I don't no, want to no, get no. in trouble with them, but I can totally talk about it. Yeah. 
But it's just like, that seems really weird. And why would they have an issue with that being associated with your brand? That's- well, one of the things we, so again, I, I'm, I'm actually a professional medium. This is, that's what I do for my, my day job. Sure. Um, I, I have a shop now and all those things, but so that being a professional medium has allowed me to go to psychic. Like I, I go to psychic conferences and I, I, I get to teach people psychic development and I get to work in that field. And I'm usually more comfortable uh, in that field uh, and talking about that stuff, ironically, um, because this is, it's been my whole life. It's, you know, I've been a witch or I've been a psychic longer than I've been a witch. And, um, and so if I were to sit down at like a psychic conference and I were to talk about what I experience and I were to be as open as, as I could be with my witches, they would look at me like I have four heads mm-hmm. because the, the generally the psychic field, um, sees spirituality and the occultism in a very skewed way. And there tends to be a lot of fear. Um, we don't really have, you know, and it was really cool in the sixties, you had a lot of occultists that were kind of part of the world of that world and they were steering the conversations. And then in the eighties that started to shift, we had the satanic panic happen. People got very scared. And as a result of that, nobody wanted to be associated with the word witch at all. Um, and unfortunately that is still part of the case. I mean, the satanic panic happened in the eighties. It's the, it's the year two, you know, 2020. Um, but, but people are still scarred from that. I still have conversations with people in the shop all the time about, Oh, isn't that evil? Oh, I have a Ouija board or, you know, that I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, let's sit and talk about this. The Ouija board wasn't considered evil until the exorcist came out. Like, you know, like let's real, let's be real here. And, you know, so there's just so much people, we live in a world that's built off of perception. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to branding, I, I I get it. I mean, I don't appreciate it, but I get it. Um, yeah. And it took me, you know, it took, that's why I said it, it, I went through a little bit of identity crisis and I was going to pull the whole show and everything. And then I was like, no, like this is who I am and I, I need to be authentic. And yeah. Um, I'm so glad that you did it because Modern Witch Podcast was a big inspiration for me when I started this project a year ago. You've been around forever. It's one of the most consistent podcasts out there. So, and it has great content, it has great quality. Um, so, I'm so glad that you didn't. What would your advice be for someone who is facing that type of oppression? or prejudice, because let's be honest, that's what it is. Even, even though there may be a great explanation for it, something that happened 40 years ago, by the way. Right. right. <laughs> but what would I, your- I think, I think so much of what we're experiencing, um, is a shift in the dynamic in general right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed actually to have had, had that experience, even though I, I was so sore about it for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the result of it was that it forced me to be authentic. There was no getting around it. And I, I remember I had met um, this famous medium. Her name is Rosemary Altea. She like rocked my world um, at, at this big, huge open floor reading that she had done. And I met her afterwards and, uh, and she, you know, I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to write books. And she said, just tell the truth. Just tell your truth, but make sure it's the truth. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And I thought this was the psychic message and it wasn't, but, um, you know, but it was this, just this omen. It was just, or just this gift from her to say, just speak the truth and the truth, right? Your truth and the ultimate truth. And those things should be one. And, um, and so that to me, years back, looking at it, that's authenticity, right? Um, and 
I'm glad it happened because it made me realize that I got I, I get to bridge the worlds if I want to. I get to be the witch and the psychic and I'm going to do it. Right. And I'm not going to have any you know qualms about it. Um, and I'm looking around and I'm seeing that in general, I mean, let's look at the publishing company, Hay House. They've been around for a very long time. They were kind of the leaders when it came to the new age industry and the books that were coming out. And really, you know, they would put a book out and then two or three months later, you'd see an entire curve happen with what people are buying and the crystal stones, uh, weird, you know, imported spiritual technologies and all kinds of Hay House was the, were really the people, good example of Doreen Virtue. She yeah. was a Hay House author, right? She put all those decks and cards out and angels became this really big thing. Well, you know, that company is now publishing books on witchcraft that just started happening two years ago. So, and they were so anti-witchcraft and occultism. You could not get a witch to be part of that world. They would not look at us twice. Wow. And now, now they're, they're seeking witches. And so, uh, it's interesting to to say that the world has changed. I think witches way more witches are way more accepted, and it's because you know, hey, we've had Charmed and we've had Sabrina and other Sabrina and you know all these other shows that we're now conditioned to not be as spooky to people. Um, you know, people don't think of witch and instantly think of a goth kid with piercings and you know black makeup, which <laughs> I was, I was totally that kid. But <laughs> people don't like go there, right? They now they think of usually somebody with flowing garb and, you know, jewelry and, and sage burning in the background. And, and that's fine. Like, that's great. Um, so I think the, the real lesson here is to be yourself. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're like, you know, everyone's, there's so many people with podcasts and with radio shows and with books and blogs and yada, 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 yada. And we're all talking about pretty much the same thing. So why would somebody want to listen to you? Why would somebody want to come to you versus going to somebody else for this information? And it's because of your personality. They're going to be attracted to your personality. They're going to want to hear your input on something. And that only really happens when you're authentic and when you're not parroting what you think people want to hear. And uh, even if that costs you a $90,000 a year job, you know, um, and that, that was my lesson was you have to be authentic and it's only going to be when you're living in that authentic authenticity that you're going to be a success, um, in any way, shape or form. Thank you. I think that's perfect. Using it as an opportunity to really lead into who you truly are. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to do like a three part question here. Um, I would love to hear any examples of the, any ways that, that your book modern, Witch can be really useful during this time of global panic and crisis. Um, but also I'm really curious what set, what else sets this book apart from other occult books? And can you tell us a little bit about the process of making it? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I'm actually, this is so cool. I get to say it. There's actually a spell in the book, um, in the healing chapter. It's when it's the very first spell and it is to get a proper diagnosis. <gasps> and so if you go to a doctor and uh, there's so many of us ha have immuno issues, so many of us have, um, allergies and things that are going on that we don't understand. So many of us have sensitivities and, and some of us have chronic illness and have no idea what is going on. And yep. the not knowing is 
just as much as an energy suck as any other part of of the process of healing and recovery. So in the first, so in the healing chapter, that the first paragraph, it, it starts to segue into this. Hey, you know, we can use magic for a lot of different things when it comes to healing, not just sending energy into the body. Um, and so there's a spell that's there to that you do before you go to see your physician. Um, and with the intention that it, it's going to align things in, with between you and them and um, open up those those aspects of communication so that you'll be heard better, so that um, the information that the doctor is receiving is going to be um, processed in a way that's actually going to get you a proper diagnosis. Um, and I... I've used it myself. I have a friend with chronic illness who I had to use it, and she was just very successful with it. Um, knocked a problem out that she'd had for a long time. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's. Uh, I would say that would be out of all with all of the stuff going on. I'd say that's the one that I'm I'm like holding on to right now. Going, all right, if I have to go get tested, this is what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> so there, there's that aspect. But the other thing I would say is that it's it's. I, I do my best to challenge the concepts that so many of us are kind of spoon fed when we first start the craft. Um, anything from just the way your energy body works to what your responsibility is as an energetic person, uh, when you're casting spells and things like that. And I think in this time when we have so much, um, fear and anxiety and, uh, depression just as a result of, Hey, you know, I mean, not to be macabre here, but over 27,000 people have passed away from the from this virus, and it's only been a couple months. Mm-hmm. And so, and most of that was in the last two weeks of of us recording this. And so, I I can't help but wonder and and think that you know we're all in a place of fear, and we're all you know having panic and and anxiety and whatnot. I know I just kind of recognized yesterday that since this went down, I, I have been kind of dealing with like a low grade depression and anxiety. And I've definitely pulled away and I've, you know, spent more time in my office and, you know, just kind of processing this is a scary thing. And it's also triggering like past life memories, I think, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, oh, this feels familiar. I don't like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the book, because of the my approach to it, of just again trying to challenge our traditional kind of way of thinking with it, um, I, I think in our time and and with what we're kind of experiencing now, there's a lot of of good little tidbits for people, um, and and though and those different areas in our lives and how ultimately we can survive and kind of get through this. And, and I think the book does speak to that in a, in multiple ways. Um, now the process for the book was way different, and uh, <laughs> it is unlike any other book that. Um, I have seen out there. There's, there was one book I think that came out in like the eighties. Somebody had said, Oh, this reminds me of this. And I, I can't remember what it was called. Um, but other than that, there, you know, there really isn't anything out there like it. And so, um, you know, again, I wanted it to be a pictorial. I wanted it to be a how to, but I also wanted to explore aspects of magic that don't normally get to be jumped into in a spell book. Um, and so it, it, provides the reader an experience. And this is, this is my whole thing with it. it. It's an experience. You're not just sitting down and reading a book. You're sitting down and you're being emerged in this magical way of thinking and this magical, um, uh, adventure that is, that is walking you through step-by-step step, all of these fundamental aspects of witchcraft and magic. Um, but also all of these really incredible, um, 
just kind of invitations for you to, to kind of get your hands dirty and to explore things and not fear. What is it going to be like if I say the wrong word or what is it going to be like if I don't have patchouli and I have to use whatever instead? And, you know, we have those those we're afraid to get our hands dirty because we don't want to mess the magic up. You don't have to worry about that with this book. And so and nothing in the book, you, you can get as messy as you want. You can, you can explore as much as you want. And as long as you're there and you're in the moment and you're, you know, paying attention to what we're talking about, you're going to be great. And your magic is going to be super successful. I totally believe that um, because it's about you. And this, this book really is about you connecting to your magic and making it yours. You, 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 it's a very greedy book, I think. And I, I wanted it to be that way. Yes. I think that's really important. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about all of this stuff with us. And people can buy Modern Witch and book a reading on your website. Is that correct? Yep, I am. Uh, you can just well, if you if you're looking for me, you just go to modernwitch.com, and uh, I'm I'm up there. The other contributors from Modern Witch are up there. I've got I'm really blessed to have an incredible just kind of staff of people, of writers who are all working. Um, creating content and the, the book is everywhere. So you can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it off of Amazon. Um, you can order it from me directly and I'll sign it for you. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's the, all of those options are available. Um, and same thing with the other books, the witch power series, um, those are available everywhere. So it's easy to get a hold of, I promise. Yeah. And then really quickly, um, the mystic academy.com. This is, um, online classes or, yeah. So we have, uh, so again, we have a store called the mystic dream out here in California and as an extension of, cause we teach a lot of classes there. And so as an extension, we started the mystic dream Academy, um, which is our online metaphysical school. And so we have everything from, uh, Reiki to, uh, our black rose witchcraft, which is a full year and a day study course. Um, with, we have over 500 people who have either, either in the system or have graduated um, from black rose. And so there's this really, wonderful community. We just did a beautiful ritual um, to help kind of cope with the the coronavirus concerns last night. Um, And so, you know, and even though we're online, we still connect. We still find ways to get together. It's really phenomenal. Um, It's a great community of people. So, you know, Black Rose exists there. Um, I have my Witch Power Masterclass, which um, takes the the first three books and I go in chapter to chapter and I add commentary. There's an audio lesson for everything. There's guided meditations, guided rituals. There's, there's a whole lot that you get out of the witch power masterclass. Um, and you know, and the guys just put up a cleansing class. Like we're, we're constantly putting stuff up there. Uh, Matt Oren, who wrote psychic witch, uh, he is right. He is working on a class right now that should be up very soon, um, from, uh, that is taking his book and turns it into a class. And so he'll, we'll have that on the Academy as well. And, um, it's, we're, we're trying to reach out and find, um, some teachers who we feel are in alignment with what we do, um, and get more people, you know, to be teaching classes on there. That's part of our, our goal this year. Um, but we're teaching a lot of classes on there ourselves. And so, um, and it's really all based on long distance learning. And so, uh, it's been a, a, just a joy. I mean, it really has just to see people take the courses, 
get really engaged and then I get to meet them at conferences. And it's just, it's so trippy to me. It's so cool. And we really wanted to create a tradition where anybody could be part of it. And, you know, I believe, um, that, you know, as a, as a worshiper of the goddess of witches, I believe that, you know, she's also the goddess of the Island of Misfit Toys. You know, (laughs) we're all missing a button or we were sewn up a little weird here and we're all a little strange and that's every human is right. But I think it's when we embrace that. And, um, we, we really say, okay, this is, this is part of who we are, that we get, you know, authenticity, we get to be powerful. Um, and we wanted to have that in Black Rose. And so the first level of Black Rose, anybody can take, um, you just got to sign up, you take the course and you do the homework. Um, we're there for you. We want everybody to participate and have a good time. And then there are chances for more, you know, if you want to take it deeper, um, and we feel like as your teachers that you, you are capable of doing that with us, um, then you, you know, you have the option or at least the opportunity, um, to either study further in my tradition of sacred fires, or you can, um, study, uh, what we refer to as Blue Rose Fairy, which is Anderson Fairy tradition of witchcraft, um, with Storm Fairy Wolf. And, um, and so there's, there's a lot there over there at the Academy. And, um, we, we try really hard to make this information accessible, just make it accessible, make it so that anybody who is, is craving magic or anybody who needs magic, they can get it. That's our goal. Yes. That's amazing. Well, thank you again for making the time to talk to us. I would love to have you back and talk more about the school next time. Yeah, I, I, I'm here and I appreciate your time and rescheduling because it was all crazy uh, just getting <laughs> us to line up, but we did it. And so thank you for taking your time out and, and having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Stay mystic, witches. Be sure to subscribe to Mystic Witch on any of your favorite platforms. And you can show your support by contributing monthly at anchor.fm or on our Patreon page. Follow us on social media to hear exclusive audio clips from our guests at Mystic Witch Podcast.